God, we thank you for the ways that you have been here in stories told about your goodness and kindness, that you've been here in the songs and praises of your people. But we thank you that we have tasted just a little bit of your presence today. And God, we ask that what we have tasted today would give us a deep thirst for you. God, I pray that we would not be satisfied with with whatever little of you yet we've gained, but God, that we would desire and want more, that as Paul says here in Philippians, that we that we would search for it, that we, like as, as a runner, to try to gain the prize, that with all of our heart, that we would seek you and what you have for us. Pray, Lord, that we would not be satisfied, that we would not forget our first love, that you would call us to something deeper and to something more. Lord, as Alex prayed, you are, you are unfathomable. We cannot reach the bottom of you. So, God, I pray that we would keep on seeking and thirsting and hungering for who you are in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been good to be together today. The book of Philippians is an important part of my own story. Back when I was in college, um, I was a part of a group of a community that was really seeking hard after, hard after God. So age 18, 19, 20, I found a good group of, of peers in my life who really encouraged me in the faith and who I, who I was able to encourage alongside them. And for whatever reason, the book of Philippians, I think my sophomore or junior year, came to my attention, and it really, um, it really grabbed me. And I was also reading at that time a book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. Have any of you read that book? It's really a really wonderful book that, that really gives some practical advice about the basic disciplines of the Christian faith. And one of the disciplines that Richard Foster talks about is the discipline of study. And one of the suggestions that he makes is that we go away for just a day just to immerse ourselves into one particular book of the Bible or one chapter or one story in the life of Jesus. And I did that with the book of Philippians one day. And it really changed the course of my life, because I got that day a taste of what it meant to really study and come to, to know and, and unpack the scriptures. And I began to get a taste of what it would be like to go, like to, go to seminary and to study like this for over the course of three or four years. And so studying this book uh, really changed the course and direction of my life. The ideas in this book about who Jesus is and about how we're called to shape our lives and all of our relationships around his model and his example has shaped the way that I seek to live. And I know that I have a long way to go, uh, but who Paul tells us Jesus is in this book is a vision that he gave to me at that time in my life uh, that has helped set my course. The book of Philippians was written sometime during the last couple years of Paul's life while he was in prison in Rome, where he was waiting, he, he knew quite possibly to be executed. So it's written towards the very end of his life, after all of his missionary journeys, after he has traveled all across the Roman Empire, planting churches and, and baptizing people and, and putting leaders in these churches, after all of the betrayals that he 
faced by his own friends, by those who were with him after the persecutions and floggings and imprisonments and shipwrecks, all of that that he went through. He finds himself in prison in Rome, and he begins to write a few letters, and this is one of them, the book of Philippians. And the letter to the Philippians is beautiful in its simplicity and in its clarity. It's beautiful in its simplicity and its clarity. There's one of Peter's letters where he, he admits that some of Paul's letters are difficult to understand. I don't think he was talking about Philippians. Philippians is beautiful in its clarity and in its simplicity. Living out the message of Philippians. While the message is clear, while it is simple, living out the calling that Paul gives to us, the vision of the follower of Jesus in Philippians is a lifelong process to grow into. And so over the next few months, we are going to look at this very simple and clear and direct letter that Paul writes to the Philippians as a call to maturity, a call to life, a lifelong following of Jesus. Soren and Selah, you have given testimony today of your decision today. May you live each and every day with the call to maturity that Paul gives to us in Philippians. Joe, may this be the day where each and every day you go deeper and deeper into the calling that Paul gives to us in Philippians. May this be true for each one of us. There are two things that really strike me about the message of the book of Philippians. Two key themes that I want to begin with. And first is Paul's, Paul's vision of coming to know Jesus and to become like Jesus. As he comes to this point at the end of his life, it seems to me that Jesus has come into very sharp focus for Paul. Paul was, lived his life for Jesus, but there is something in this letter where the character of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, it comes into really sharp focus for Paul. All of the other things in life start to become secondary to him, and it's all about who Jesus is, the humility that he represented to us and gave as an example to us, and how he wanted to come to know that Jesus and to become more like that Jesus in his own life. There is this clear and undivided focus in Paul's letter of coming to know Jesus and to become like him. The second thing that strikes me in the letter to the church at Philippi is Paul's deep affection for his friends. Paul really loves the people in Philippi. There's no other letter that he writes where he is as tender and affectionate in his language as he is to the church here at Philippi. Here at the end of his life, he has become a man of affection and tenderness to people. He loves the Philippians deeply. He begins the letter by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then he says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, 
all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you hear the tenderness in Paul's voice towards his friends at Philippi? Affection, love, joy when I think about you. As I imagine Paul writing this letter in that cold and dark and damp cellar underneath the city of Rome, these two themes come to mind. This sharp focus on coming to know Jesus and being like Jesus, as well as this deep affection that he has for his friends. And these two themes come together and are woven together in this very beautiful and clear way in this letter as he begins to instruct and model for his friends what it means to know Jesus and to become like him. I love this Jesus, and I want you to love and to know him like I do, and I want you to know and become like him like I am becoming like him. And so he gives them instructions for how to, to know Jesus and how to become like him. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. In those first few verses, as Paul is talking to his friends in Philippi, joy comes to mind for him. He prays for them, and he says he prays for them with joy. And that wasn't true for all of the books that he wrote, right? If you think about the book to the Galatians, he begins the whole book with, you foolish Galatians, who tricked you? The book of Corinthians, he has a lot of very clear things to say. There are some churches that caused Paul a lot of grief. He loves them deeply. He's concerned for them, but his connection with them doesn't immediately well up this joy and this affection like it does for the church in Philippians. But when he prays for the Philippians, these emotions come to him, gladness and affection and joy. And the reason for that is that he says that they have partnered with him in his work from the first day until now. And so he prays for them with joy and affection for them. And also with this desire for them to come to know Jesus and to be like him. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, Paul begins to talk about this calling to know Jesus and to be like him. This is what Paul says. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." This is the goal. This is what Paul is after and striving for in his own life. This is the good work that God is going to carry out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus for the church at Philippi. That they would come to know Christ and become like him in his death and share in his resurrection. And it's the work that God is going to complete in you as well if you are a follower of Jesus. And he says in verse 15, all of you who are mature should take such a view of things. 
All of you who are mature, you should take such a view of things. In other words, everyone who is growing toward their purpose in Christ, anyone who is a follower of Jesus and who is growing in their relationship with Christ, should see that knowing Christ and becoming like him is their goal. That all other things are second place to this goal. There are a lot of good things in our life that we can pursue. Serving Christ, raising good godly kids, being a good husband or a wife, learning to lead worship or to use our gifts in some way, bringing other people to Jesus, studying theology, serving other people, whatever it might be. But all of those things are not the goal. They all serve the goal of coming to know Christ and be like him. This is our focus. This is our end. This is our Goal. And in verse 17, he says this Join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Paul says that we should follow his example and the model that he gave for us in order to become mature, in order to be people who know Christ and who are becoming like Christ. Again, this letter to the Philippians is written at the end of his life. It's a letter written by an experienced, mature follower of Jesus. And so over the next few months, we're going to approach this letter to the Philippians by considering Paul's example as an example of Christian maturity. And as we read uh, through this book, we're going to be asking how Paul either models maturity or how he instructs us to live a mature life of following Christ. What are the characteristics in Paul's life of what it means to know Christ and to be like him? He's in prison as he's writing this book. What does he tell us about what it means to follow Christ in the midst of trials? Paul knows at the church in Philippi that there's some disagreements and there's some arguments happening that are threatening to, to break up the church. And Paul writes some instructions to them about how we are to respond to those who disagree with us in the life of the church. What does Christian maturity look like when we disagree with one another? How do we deal with conflict? These are all instructions or Paul's example of how to live a mature Christian life. And so that's going to be our focus over the next couple months. There's an important Greek word for you to know in order for us to think about what it means to grow in maturity in Christ in the book of Philippians. And it's the Greek word telos. The Greek word telos. It's the word translated here as maturity. Other times it's perfection or end goal or completion. It's this idea of of an object being used for its proper purpose. A few months ago, my friend Nick Easterday was at my house helping me with a project, and I was using a pair of pliers to tighten a nut down. And Nick looked at me and he said, you're going to use a pair of pliers for that, huh? And I said, yeah, it works. And he said, yeah, but that's not what they are for. That's what a wrench is for. Nick was talking about the telos of wrenches and pliers, the purpose for which they were made. I can use a hammer to bust through one of our stained glass windows, 
But that's not the purpose for which that hammer was made, right? The telos, the purpose of a hammer, a hammer finds its completion, finds its end goal, finds its fitting end when it's used to, uh, to nail a nail through a piece of wood. That's the idea of telos. When an apple tree produces apples, it is living according to its telos, towards its fitting end. So when Paul, when Paul says in chapter 3, verse 17, those who are mature take such a view of things, he says that those who are telos people, those who are living towards their fitting end, see that the end goal of their life is to know Christ and to become like him. In chapter 1, when Paul says that he is confident that God is going to carry out this work to completion, that that word completion is uh, this word telos, that God is working in us to bring us to our proper end, to our proper goal for why we were made. You and I were made in the image of God. Human beings were made to reflect God, to look like God, to love God like God loves. That is why we were made. This is our telos. It's the reason we were made. But our sin mars and distorts that original purpose. And because of this brokenness caused by our sin, we begin to live toward other ends, towards other goals. We make other things our telos, what we think is our telos. We become to be like pliers that are used improperly. We become apple trees that aren't producing apples. Because of our sin, we aren't living for what we were made for. So God sent Jesus, the image of the invisible God, God in the flesh. And so as we come to know him, and become more like him, we begin to reflect the image of God that God gave to us in the beginning. So over the next few months, we're going to be looking at Philippians as Paul's instruction and his example about what it means to live a mature life, to be people who are living out our telos, the goal for which we were made. I think I'm going to finish there for today. I'm just going to ask for you to do something in silence here for a couple of minutes. First, I want to ask this. As we consider what it means to grow in in maturity, as we consider what it means to grow in maturity, I want you to ask, what is is it God may be calling calling you to do? What effort is he calling you to make in order to become more like Christ? And then also, what is he calling you to surrender? What is he calling you to give up in order to know him better or to become like him? Just take a a couple minutes to to be quiet and to, to ask the Lord to show you what it is he is calling you to do and to pick up, what effort he's calling you to make in order to come to know him better and to become more like him. And what is he calling you to surrender? Lord, we ask for your help today, in the coming days, and in the coming weeks, that by your Spirit that you would make us more and more mature, that we would be people who, who know you better and who day by day are becoming more and more like you. 
God, show us in our lives those things that we've placed as, as our goal, as our own ends and hopes and purposes for our life. Show us what you need to, what we need to surrender to you. And God, would you show us those things that we, that you are calling us to do, ways that we can join our, our will and our, our hands and our minds and our hearts to join with you in this work of making us more like your son. Lord, we ask these things in his name. Amen.